welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. It's time for you and those you love to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Move Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a free one hour live online class where you'll hear new and empowering information about how to solve addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, or being labeled for life. If you're struggling or you love someone who is, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org and choose the date and time that works for you. See you at the masterclass. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Michelle Dunbar, and we have a guest today. Yes, this is my friend, Rainy. And uh, I met Rainy when we first started here at the Freedom Model doing our TikTok account. That's right. And uh, did you already have a TikTok account at that point, Rainy? I think I had just started, yeah. Yeah, I think we started right around the same time. Yeah, it was like the summer of 22. Yeah, it's crazy that it's been that long. Jeez, I, know, I know, right? It's 2024. Holy crap. <laughs> so um, one of the things that that uh, Rainy was probably our first TikTok uh, fan and follower. <laughs> I, I think he was like like fan number five, <laughs> you know? And uh, but, but what was interesting was I became a fan of his because yeah. um, he has Unconquered Healing, and that's the name of his organization. And um, he was saying the same i he was saying the same things i was saying many years ago when i was leaving the cult mm. of alcoholics anonymous and i was just so impressed by his willingness to be vulnerable and tell it like it was that yeah. and 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 i want to preface this i want to give a little introduction here because i i want to talk about rainy from my perspective and then i'll let him do some talking um but but what was interesting was AA makes you, it's this narrative, especially in AA, of either being broken or being a tough guy or both. And you're never allowed to just be yourself. Huh. So there's these weird narratives. There's this big culture of junkie pride, sort of my story is worse than your story. And so you start to take on this bullshit uh, narrative of yourself competing oh, with so the other true. members. It's just part of a cult mentality. And you start to morph your whole existence into weird narratives. So uh, one of the things that Rainey said so articulately was that, that, that his whole image on life had changed and that AA was a, a corrosive force in his life and he didn't realize it. Well, it was the same way with me. It's the same way with Michelle. And, uh, and, and what we're talking, and then he, then he said something that I think encompassed the whole thing. We call it the recovery society. He calls it the recovery cartel, which I have 
stolen from Rainey. So yeah, I'll give him credit today, nationally, internationally. And, uh, <laughs> but it's such a great term, the recovery cartel, because that's exactly how they treat you. Yeah. So with that inter introduction, um, I just want, uh, Rainey, maybe I'll ask some questions, but why don't you tell your story about leaving AA, being in it, and some of the stuff that I just talked about. I, um, I didn't expect to get emotional, so I got some tears. Oh, <laughs> I know. Um, I, we totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, like it, um, this cartel and this cult almost killed me. Yeah. Yes, it, I know. It, it almost killed me. Uh, and I'm a tough motherfucker. I know. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in Boston, um, 15 minutes north of Boston, born in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, you know, I'm 25% I'm Irish, Italian, French, and Polish. So I, I grew up with an Italian grandmother that hated the Irish. <laughs> so look, looking back on identity and whatnot i never knew who i was because like my grandmother like i knew i had irish blood in me and, and the italian was like i was pushed that i was 100 percent italian but yet i wasn't and oh, yeah. and yeah. And it was like, it was confusing, right? But you don't know that as a kid. It's just normal, right? Right, right. And um, I grew up in a, in a narcissistic cult. My grandmother's a malignant, covert narcissist. She's, I don't like identities, but this is what she is. She is a, a psychopath <laughs> um, that was the matriarch of our family that um, we thought was mentally well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the strong woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she was far from mentally well. And this is the the woman that ran the family, destroyed the family, and I believe if anything led me to being an, an IV drug addict, it was the the mental mind fuckery of my nonny. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and um, I ended up in the cult of Alcoholics Anonymous at 23 years old. I was a I was a three sport all state high school athlete. I was popular. I was a good looking kid. I was, you know, six one two twenty five naturally in high school. Sports were like um, just came to me naturally. I excelled. Everybody knew who I was. I'm a Saint Pierre. My grandfather had nineteen brothers and sisters. Like I, I was, I was that dude my whole life, and. Um, discovered oxycontin in 1999 and, and the rest is history up until basically december of 2020 when i find the freedom model and maybe six months prior to that nine months prior to that maybe a year i'm managing a sober house and i'm like i think i'm in a fucking cult <laughs> <laughs> and now how many years were you in at that point like in the recovery cartel as a whole 2001 was my first state-funded wow. detox experience and i've been to more than 50 different treatment centers halfway houses methadone clinics so but you know yeah all, just, the, all the yeah just the whole 20 years man 20, i moved to south florida in 2002 like i saw the hustle before it was a hustle or before yep. anyone knew it was a hustle and so i saw the money i could make and and i fell for the i can help people and so for the last 20 years, I went and I got my degree in psychology. I became a yoga teacher because I could put together years sober. I couldn't stay sober, 
because of what they taught me. Right. Once right. you start, you can't stop. Once you stopped, you can't stay stopped. Right. All the myths, all yep. the all the nonsense. And it was my beliefs that were creating hell on earth. It was fucking hell on earth. Yeah. Yeah. So so you get you go to your first uh, detox and you're you're a young man. You're an all you're a D1 athlete at the time. Uh, as I recall, you broke up with a, a girl, had a hard time, which is a classic sort of, you know, the ages of what I call it from 17 to 25, I call it the gauntlet. Like you're a guy is running the gauntlet. I don't know about women. I'm not a woman, but, but you're running through this era where you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, you're trying to be an adult and it's terrifying. So you're right in the middle of the gauntlet somewhere at that time in your life, confused, but performing, but then you, you're taking oxys, partying. A am I describing this right? And yeah, then a girl course. breaks up with you and you have a, an identity crisis of some, some kind. So between, what happened? Yeah, between the girl breaking up with me and the college athletic career. So June of 2000, I'm playing in the College World Series. August of 2001, I'm being told I'm a powerless, insane, selfish, self-centered piece of shit that has to fight this disease for the rest of his life. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was just partying too hard. Like mm. I went to Mexico and got a couple thousand oxys for New Year's Eve. And George Jung was my hero. I was fascinated with drug trafficking. I was fascinated with you know, La Cosa Nostra and all that mafia shit growing up in Boston with Whitey Bulger yep. and, right, and right. all that. And so I wanted to be a drug trafficker. Once my athletic career, well, I was already selling drugs. And so I went, copped a couple thousand oxys. And that's when my habit really took off was New Year's of 2000 going into 2001. I go to Cancun smuggle back a few thousand oxys and I catch a habit, but yeah. I end up going for help, asking for help. My parents mm. send me to my dad's connected with everybody. He calls the guy in charge of the Middleton jail. The guy gets me a free detox bed at Danvers detox. I go to Danvers detox and I remember being like, this is a cult. But like, mm -hmm. what do you know at 23 years old? Right. What do I know about drug addiction? What do I, I didn't know that I could potty my way into being a drug addict or, 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 or like, I wouldn't even have referred to my, those were losers. Like, <laughs> right. like, and it was just so confusing. And I, I fell right into, right into the cartel's hands. You know, I went to detox a couple times and then decided Boston was the problem and I moved to South Florida. And then, I mean, I fell into a multi-million dollar pill mill, like drug opiate addicts, like wet dream fantasy. Um, right. Yeah. You yeah. were, you were part of that. Like, I think we discovered, we started talking about the Florida shuffle, rehab shuffle in like 2010. Yeah. So you were right in the midst of all of that. The yeah. very like that beginning. Whole, yeah. Yeah. Describe some of that experience. Oh, jeez, man. <laughs> well, I should have known from the very beginning that sober living, my friend got stabbed in his sleep by his roommate. 
First experience in sober living. Nice. Wow. Nice. You, you were initiated. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Into the cartel. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and, and I relapse, relapse. I, I decide I need some girls. She gives me some Xanax coming home from an AA meeting in Delray Beach. And I relapse and I get kicked out. I wake up handcuffed to a hospital bed in Boca Raton, homeless going like i'm a middle class kid from danvis i grew up with a swimming pool and a vobo and mom and dad coaching all my teens and my house yeah. was the house everybody hung out at and everybody knew me and i was like so it's like fucking what the fuck you know like <laughs> whoa so so let me jump in there so let me frame this out for the for the our listeners and, and watchership so you're you're a you're basically come from a blue collar family, nice family. Yeah. Hardworking. Hardworking. Yeah. The, your grandmother was, so the stage is set. You, you go to this detox. You're, you're starting to take the recovery cartel is sucking you in with powerlessness narrative. You're not really buying, but then part of the fantasy that you were growing up with, with the whole mob thing, drug thing you got a taste of it then you land in this perfect storm in southern florida mm. and and so the recovery cartel coupled with the drug cartel now it's fulfilling all these fantasies but you don't realize that you're getting sucked into a recovery cult well and it's they're married right. the yeah. drug and the they're married yeah <laughs> yeah and and yeah. so you're now a cog in the machine being played by both sides yep and don't wow. even know it and I'm, right. and I'm like, I'm boycotting AA because I can see I'm a hustler. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, you know, this is a bunch. This is a collection of a bunch of has-beens. They never made the junior varsity team. Right. Like, like get out of here. Like, please. But like. But you're also, also being played. Right. I'm buying into this. Am I powerless? Right. right? Like, right. what's going on here? Is there any, you know, you start doubting yourself. Is there any truth to this stuff? And. And I just, I started hustling. I started going to pain management before pill mills ever existed. There was so few, I've never heard anyone tell the story correctly in South Florida. I think I'm like the only one. There was so few pain managements that you had to be careful doctor shopping. Right. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like wow. it was in 2008 where there was one on every single corner it was there was six or ten of them and some of them owned multiple ones and there'd be one in hollywood and there'd be one in coconut creek and there'd be one in delray so you had to be careful not to go to one that was operating three so it, it wasn't and it just year after year it got crazier and crazier because, right right and sober living sober living got crazy like they, it just it it was this wow. per perfect storm of just over prescribing oxycodone and 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 doctors writing scripts and at first it was legitimate and then it just got easier and easier and easier meanwhile all these people from all over the united states are coming to south florida and kids are dying now and and then and then some of the big addiction chains uh, rehab chains start you know, having their call centers pumping kids into these places because there's kickback schemes and kids are dying. And so that gets exposed. So now we're all the way up to 2008, 2010. And it's just a raging storm of of chaos, really, and corruption. And yeah, and it was so bad. I, I want to tell our fans this, our followers that 
it got so bad that Google shut down all bid per click advertising for rehabilitation. They've never done that in any industry. Yeah, that was like 2014. Yeah, they shut it down for a year because they realized they were complicit in the scam and they were making billions. So Google was making billions while the treatment industry down there was making hundreds of millions, the sober living industry and the rehab industry, just in the state of Florida, this was happening, the shuffle where they were shuffling kids. I mean, it was happening the, in other parts of the country, but California, but, yeah, was big. but Florida was, was the really, epicenter. I mean, we, we would have parents call us and, and I mean, I remember one particular uh, yeah, family that, that was trying to get their, find out where their kid even was because they were in a, a rehab in Florida. They had sent them down, but the rehab in Florida had sent them to some other detox. Yeah. It was in Texas. They, they shuffled them to Texas, the highest bidder. It yep. was all about bidding. Yep. And then, so they didn't even know, and they were terrified. They had to get the police involved to be able to get their kid extracted. Yeah. They, the parents, this was what was so crazy about that. Me and Michelle were in the office on the conference call with the parents and we were like, you this is a minor yeah this was like this a is, 17 year old kid you don't know where they are and they're like well the treatment center said it's best for their treatment for us and not to have contact not to have contact and and i go you don't know where i said you got to get the police involved we do yeah. I, we felt like we should and i said yeah and it ended up he wasn't even in that state anymore they had bust him um yeah to texas to texas I think it was texas and then and then finally me michelle the police contacted the staffs, figured all this out. And then they almost wouldn't let him go. Right. It was kid, And then that we, they were going to get charged gonna, with kidnapping. Right. And, and then they gave up the kid and they drove him out to the fence and they didn't ever give him any of his stuff. And their parents picked him up and took off. And that was right in the thick of all that. Yeah. Then yeah. We were that getting was probably calls. 10, 12 years ago. And then we were getting calls from all these different facilities because I wrote an article about it. And then people were calling me on a protocol to get their children. And, and we, we, so we started being part of the, the solution, so to speak, yeah, like with like how to helping, get the police, like guiding parents to extracting their kids from this, from this craziness. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was surreal to me. It was really crazy. So I, I digress for a minute, but I wanted to frame that out for, for the people listening. So, and so Rainy was a, I mean, you were like right there in the thick of it all is just fascinating to me. So, so talk now about Rainy, about AA specifically, big book thumping. We, we, Michelle and I, we did, it. We did all this and there's a, a cult language that when you meet somebody who is deep in the <laughs> big book thumping cult, it's, it's the strangest thing. We've never met Rainy, but we could literally sit and talk in a separate language yep. um, about self-centeredness and yeah, all the the oh. trademarks of the cult, but go ahead. Tell us about how you got involved in, in that aspect of the treatment world, man. It's, um, so 2001 till 2005, I, I don't really buy in. I'm going to meetings. I, I, I really never, I dated this Seminole girl that I met in treatment. So I lived on the Seminole Indian reservation, which like changed my life, right? A white yeah. boy from Boston living on the Seminole Indian <laughs> That'll reservation, do it. right? <laughs> and uh, big cypress in the middle of the swamp. And, and it was just crazy. That's cool. And, and um, I remember saying to her, I have a better connection to God swimming at the beach at Delray Beach than I do at these meetings. Uh, this shit just ain't for me. And so the first three, four, five, I wrote, I, I, I tried to make it work, but it just, it, it was just, it was, 
if you have any sense, you're like, this just don't make sense. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. It's filled and, with contradictions. Yeah. And, and I end up going to a, a spiritual retreat treatment center in New Hampshire where they take you through the first 164 pages of the big mm -hmm. book. Yeah. And they, I did that. I did they that hooked me. Yep. They hooked me with the word recovered. Yeah, that's what we did too. We, we did too. We did all this. It's so embarrassing <laughs> to me now. It's horrible. It's absolutely you horrible. You can be recovered. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> that's what I want. Right, right. So on the first page, it says how many hundreds of men and women have recovered. <laughs> Notice how it says recovered. And I look back and that's how they got me because that's all I wanted. Yep, I just wanted I to move on with my life. Right. Right. But then it's like you're recovered and then you're in recovery and then you got it. So I end up buying in and I put together six months. And then, you know, what I noticed kept happening is I kept putting my life together. Some huge emotional event would happen yeah. that I didn't know how to deal with. I would turn to taking an oxycodone and you know, an oxycodone and a Percocet, mm -hmm. a Vicodin. I would take one. Nothing would happen. And then began me going out and destroying my life, trying to attempt to hit a rock bottom. My first, my first detox, wow. I had never snorted cocaine. I had never seen cocaine. I had never snorted a pill. I had never shot a pill. I was simply eating Oxycontin. Right. Right. That's it. That's right. it. And this wow. cartel morphed me and taught me and shaped me into destroying myself until I destroyed myself so many times. I mean, I, I gained a hundred pounds. I made and lost millions of dollars homeless to having 500,000 cash stashed away, like in, in, in a whole bunch of different assortments of that. Right. Yep. And, and repairing my life and then having some huge emotional event because I repaired my life. My life got so good my identity was in this broken person. So I just kept recreating this brokenness. All right. That's let me jump in there. Cause this is a great spot to, to, to help our followers. So some of you may be saying, well, yeah, that's, that's how addiction works. The, the disease works. Well, I think, I think what I want to say here is that, no, that's what you're taught that a fictitious disease does. And if you take on this identity that the addiction disease is real, like Rainey did, like I did, like Michelle did, you will act out the very thing that you define as disease in your life. It's yep. not a disease, it's you, yeah. it's beliefs. So, so let me frame out what I think I'm hearing from Rainey and then I'll ask some more questions. So what I think I'm hearing is, you take on the identity, you take a situation where um, really, really being in the cult is untenable for any length of time because it's so miserable because you're constantly said to hold, especially in the real deep, what he's talking about, the, the big book thumping cults, you're told you can recover, but not really. You know, you, you can recover fully, but not really. You need to, you need to serve. You need to have a spiritual connection to God and to be granted sobriety uh, and, and to be recovered, you have to have spiritual fitness. So the only way to have spiritual right. fitness is to uh, promote the cult. Yeah. 
ironically you in, in aa they don't say you can be spiritually let's say that that was the truth let's say that spiritual fitness was the answer to addiction right some sort of spiritual essence or experience why can't you find it at the catholic church or in nature or just leave the meetings and never go back and just have a spiritual life somewhere else no 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 no, you got to be attached to the meetings and the service structure because of Bill Wilson's fantasy that one alcoholic works with another alcoholic. There's no other way. That's the twisted shit right there. Yep. So they, they manipulate believable things like a spiritual life and they manipulate it into basically recruiting for money. Would you say you experienced that, Randy? Yeah, it was so confusing because these people are telling me to be honest. They're telling me I need to be spiritually fit and they're sleeping with prostitutes. Right. That's <laughs> the other part. They're right. cheating on their wife. Like, yo, I'm a hustler. I can see through bullshit a mile away. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like the leaders are the sickest, most demented, most dishonest, unspiritually fit ones who are standing up at the podium, lying through their teeth, talking about how spiritually fit they are. Meanwhile, they're getting girls to pay their rent in sexual favors, right? Because I know tons of sober house owners, tons of treatment center owners. I know girls that were chained to beds in sober living down here. I mean, shit that's like oh crazy, dude, like fucking crazy. And you're telling me I, I'm... I believed I was constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. And that's why I couldn't stay sober. Right. 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 I, I, it becomes such a, well, well, when life is going too good, I mean, this, for me, the way it would be was that idea of life can't get too good either because mm -hmm. if it gets too good, you know, you're going to get knocked right off that pink cloud. It, no matter how much time I put together, if I was too happy in the meetings, there would always be somebody standing there waiting to tell me, mm, be, be, be careful, be careful. You're, you're looking a little cocky there. You're looking a little like you're, you're a little too happy and too, I, what? Like, isn't that the goal? Is <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it, but I would create it. Right. Cause yeah. you, you'd go up and up and up and then, and then something would happen like life does, right? Yes. I mean, life happens for everybody, but something would happen and I would immediately attach it to, well, that's because, that's because I'm an alcoholic. These things happen to me and knock me down because I got bipolar and I'm an alcoholic and no, no, they, they, they fucking happen to you because shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> because that's life. Because it's life. Yeah. yeah. But, but you attach it. And so then thankfully for me, I already knew well, I never wanted to go back to drinking again. I already knew that drinking wouldn't help me. So I I didn't go back, but I went to food. I went to other things that I was trying to, to like, like find to give me what I was seeking, you know? So I hadn't really solved the problem. I went to cigarettes. I went to like, like whatever, like, like, like a good aa -er does. Right? You go to cigarettes <laughs> yeah. and coffee and food, isn't that? And hookers, <laughs> and, apparently. And apparently hookers. <laughs> I didn't go to hookers. <laughs> no. I didn't either, but apparently that's, that apparently is common. that's what you do. <laughs> Yeah, they, so, were, they, were, they were predators, man. The room oh, was filled with financial and sexual predators. And it just, sure. it was, um, but it was so confusing too, because then 
oh, I'm being judgmental. Like I, no. I, I rewrote my entire history. I forgot I was a three sport athlete. I forgot I played two sports in college. Right. I forgot I was Mr. Popular. I forgot I was Mr. Happy Go Lucky going to Red Sox games and flying to Miami to see the Patriots and having all this fun. My life had become the cartel. Well, you know, what's crazy about that is the way they reframe all of your success is somehow that is a characteristic of the ego oh, yes. that drove you to drink, that drove you to drugs. And, and you have to keep that ego in check because after all, humility is the earmark of the recovered alcoholic, right? So, so all of a sudden they're like, they want, they want your peg knocked down as many as possible. They want you on the lowest rung of the ladder so they can control you. Cause the last thing they want is a confident moving forward human being that cults cannot, cannot have that because they can't contain the human evolution of that person if they have any sort of confidence. So we talk about it in the freedom model with the positive drive principle. You're always moving in the direction of what you believe will make you happiest. The last thing the the rulers in AA want for you is for you to think that you have mastery over your mind. Mm. I mean, the, Bill Wilson, what did he say? Self-knowledge availed us nothing, right? Yeah. How many times did you hear that? Oh my, I, I, and then meanwhile, I'm getting into the law of attraction and all this different <laughs> stuff and going, and, and, and like diving, I never read a book before treatment. I got into reading. I started studying. I went back to college, reading all these books. And I'm starting to go, wait a minute. Self-knowledge is the answer. <laughs> That's right. But yet really? I got this thing ringing in my head saying self-knowledge. reveals I mean, it's you don't think they were nefarious. I don't. It's like they came up with this perfect storm where they had like mm -hmm. every base covered to get you to stay in this cartel or cult and doubt yourself. You can't be too happy. They want you like working at Dunkin' Donuts, going to AA for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. So let, let me go back to what you just said about, I don't think they're nefarious. I, th I, so I don't think that there is a purposeful cult except for with Bill W. I think the originator he had a vision and he was very open about it. It's kind of fr crazy to me it is. that that people followed him. You know, he, he even he even wrote about it in AA conference approved literature, which, by the way, is very weird to say conference approved literature. Right. Cult you approved. You can only read cult approved literature. <laughs> right. Cult approved. But, but you're right, Mark. Like, like when Mark, Mark is the historian on AA and when we were doing the, the 12 step deprogramming course, even the first time. And then this time I learned even more, um, you know, Bill's own words, like he tells the truth. He mm -hmm. wants to be the guru. He wants to be the number one man. Like his goal in his whole life was to be a deity of sorts. Yeah. 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 It was and to be rich and to be rich. And then in his last dying day, what is he doing? But begging for whiskey on his deathbed and cigarettes as he's suffocating to death from COPD. I mean, his life was nothing but philandering, money-making and tragedy. And, and, I mean, he was a predator. He was the original predator. Yeah. He was financial the and yeah. sexual predator. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like attracts like it does. It does. It does. And, and, and it's always amazing to me because I do think 
there are many, many people in the cult who are kind and genuine and they want to help people and they have good intentions. But I also think there are many, many people in the cult that are just like Bill Wilson because it attracts that and they are predatory and they hide behind the, 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 I, the idea that I'm, I'm just trying to help another alcoholic and, and they are the ones that point the fingers at us and say, you're just trying to make money off vulnerable people. If anybody points that finger at me, I'm like, oh, you better turn that finger around because that is not us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, you are actually, that's a classic case of projection. And, and it's, it's really, really a shame, quite frankly. It is. So now let's talk about you climbing out of the cult. Yeah. Let's talk about the little steps where it starts. You start, it sounds like you were always questioning and conflicted, but you're sucked in for 20 years, but somewhere along the line, you're reading these books, you're starting, but there had to be a, a moment where you go, I, I think I'm fucking done with this. Cause we got there. Too. Yes. So when was that moment? Good question. Right. Um, I'm 40 years old going on 41. I'm in my 70th treatment center. <laughs> I'm scholarshiped by this kid that is the definition of sexual and financial predator owns the biggest treatment center in New Hampshire. Um, the 13 step podcast is all about it. And, um, I'm going, this just, I'm older now, right? I'm more yeah. mature. I'm like, they're evolving. This just, I'm seeing it for what it is, which mm. is just predation. And I'm going, this just, I've always respected women. I've always, I got a mother, I got a sister. Mm. I don't know what it is. I've just never been a predator like that. Yeah. I, I just, I respect women, man. Um, and I'm like, something ain't right. There was a kid running around, graping women, NAA. And... Mm me and one other kid were going to put a beating, you know, to this kid and no one else, no one else saw anything wrong with it. Now my, my, my best friend is managing the sober house where this girl gets, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, now I had just beat a case. I faced life in prison for a crime. I was the victim in six years house. It was a nightmare. I experienced the system. I never got arrested when I was hustling. I end up getting, I call the police one night. My neighbor attacks me. I end up facing life in prison, a PBL in Florida, no bond. Takes six years. I end up, I, I lose the case. I go to trial. I get a mandatory minimum prison sentence. I win it on appeal. Once I win the appeal, I go to treatment. And I'm just, I've experienced life at this point. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this ain't adding up. This is sick shit. And I realized that I'm in a cult and it eventually leads me to the freedom model. I mean, it's the shortest, easiest way. Mm -hmm. December of 2020, I have this like breakdown after managing a sober house for a year, being taken advantage of for, for a discounted rent. You know, the owners are nowhere to be seen, but this allows me to do me like I'm managing a sober house. I'm living in Maine two weeks out of the month and living in Florida the other two weeks out of the month. Like it doesn't even make sense. Wow. <laughs> right? But this is what 
allowed me to evolve and be like, no one cares. All they care about is money. And it's just all manipulation and, and hiding behind these spiritual principles. And long story short, I find the freedom model. And like so how I did, do, how did you find it? How, how did that happen? The girl, my friend Colleen found, you know, late night scrolling in a sober house finds the freedom model. Cause you got to realize when I'm going through this, there's no internet. This, right. I, I was only introduced to 12 steps, AA or NA and NA has got a weird vibe. Yeah. I know. Ne sure you Me know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And, and so you got to realize when I'm going through this from 2001 till 2020, there's no internet. I mean, it's it's the early stages. There's no face. None. And 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 I'm a hustler. I'm a street dude. I ain't on no social media. I'm running from the <laughs> from the feds. Right. You're keeping off social media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was certainly the web existed, but you weren't on it. <laughs> yeah. You weren't on on Facebook like some of these jokers going, "Hey, look at all my pills and my Glock." You moron. <laughs> right. No, no. <laughs> come, come, ar come, arrest me, DEA. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I do not get it. So she, so she does a search, and and finds us somehow, and I, then a lot of people found us around that time, that same time period because I, I've worked with so many people in the last three, four years who found us because of an article you wrote about uh, AA being a cult. Yeah. It ended up being the number one search uh, result. And addiction, not being a disease. Right. So, yeah. so we had like kind of blog articles that kind of took on a life of their own. And I think it was about AA being a cult. Yeah. Which we stayed away from for a long time, calling it that like, like we, we well, were, I got beat up by them. I mean, they, they came after me for eight years yeah. when I mentioned it and yeah. they destroyed my life. Yeah. But I think it's, it's how, it's how we've attracted people that are already thinking that they're already starting to think that. And they're like, like a woman that I've worked with now. And she's actually, she's a, she's a therapist who was, who was in AA and, and was also studying cults. And one of the, one of her specialties became helping people escape from them. In the meantime, she's in AA, right? And so she's like, she says to her husband at the time, she's like, I think it is a cult. And he was, he's steep. That's how she met him. And he's like, Oof. that's ridiculous. And so she starts Googling it, finds our article, starts, gets our book, starts reading about it. And this was like 2019, 2020. And, um, and she's like, Oh no, she's like, how can I help people get out of a cult when I'm in one? <laughs> that's that, that's honestly, now that you guys are saying it, you're, you're making me remember. So I start probably maybe 2015. I start watching the Leah Remini thing. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then, and then I'm in a sober house in 2015 and I see the Scientology thing, dope sick, kicking dope in the middle of the night on HBO. And so like God is like putting these little snippets of a, hey, you're in a cult buddy. But yes. I, I, I couldn't see it. So it probably took about five years of the yes. Leah Remini and the Scientology stuff. And then I think what it was, was I, I Googled is AA a cult. And I don't know if I, I just, I found you guys and it was like, 
it was the there was nothing back then about AA being a cult. That's I know it. that's right. So so you find us, and did you get our book? I I guess I've never, I never knew what how this all happened. Man, um, I went crazy with the podcast, hundred okay. percent. So I, I I find at the same time, same couple months period, I find you guys. I find Lance Dodge. I read the yeah. Sober Truth. Yep. Yep. And and Mark Lewis's book. Yes. Yep. Good ones. Yep. Yeah. Biology and, of Desire. Yes. Yep. And it's like bada bing, bada boom. And and then I'm Googling is AA a cult? And there's not really anything. But then you guys start to get into it. Like I've listened to every single podcast. <laughs> we have many. Because <laughs> because I I been following you guys really it was just a perfect storm that it yeah. just all came together and all i ever wanted man from the age of 23 was to just move on with my life that's it me too mm -hmm. me too it was 20 years of of just a distraction from moving forward it was such a blanket uh, like a like a veil was put on my eyes and I, I just can't believe now in my situation, I took that cult experience and obviously I've made the freedom model, the antithesis out of because I said, I have to leverage this wasted time now. But I think for a lot of people, that's not, they just need to let go and move forward, man. But what it does do, there's a, there's a benefit to being involved in something like this, regardless if you leverage that experience or not. The benefit is your eyes are open to scam. Mm. You're you can spot. I mean, I watch the news. I watch, yeah. you know, and I'm like, scam, scam, scam. My family's like, how do you? They used to call me Nostradamus. I shit you not. They're like, how the fuck do you like? How do you predict all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah. because human nature is control. Mm -hmm. We have freedom of mind. But we morph into control a lot because we're taught control as children. So if you take the positive drive, which is this desire to move forward, a lot of people take their, they move forward, but then they start trying to control people either in their business or in some way, shape or form, like your grandmother did, right? In some sick, twisted way, or just in, you know, common, normal ways. Um, but there's, but when you've been with somebody with their thumb on you, and yeah. crushing your free will and and you've been destroyed that way boy when you, i accept the world for what it is man i i just tell the truth and i live my truth and i do not care people are like i can't believe this shit you say i cannot believe that you get on your podcast and you look so unprofessional and you swear and you do i can't believe you get away with all i go you know why because i don't care I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I just, I cared. You live your truth. Yeah. I cared my whole life what people thought. Yeah. And it, and it damn near killed me. Yep. Gun yep. in my mouth, literally, you know, and I don't care anymore. So tell us about being becoming free, the path of freedom. Wow. It was painful. It was mm -hmm. emotional. I was... I never learned how to deal with my emotions. I was a big guy in Boston. You got to be tough. And I'm as tough as anyone can be. I, I might lose a fight or two. like, I, But I mean, mentally and, and I mean, I faced life in prison. I've yeah. been through the ringer, man. 
And and most people, I don't think, could have survived 50-something treatment centers and what That's I went right. through. That's absolutely right. And um, so it's not about physically tough. It's a mental toughness. It's yeah. a, right. it's a, it's the Boston in me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Us and, Northeasters are dead. Are, yeah. 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 That's for sure. <laughs> and, and I mean, moving away from Boston, I learned how angry everybody was. Boston's an angry place, oh, man. Yeah. That the is Northeast sure. is tough. Yeah. And yeah. I was a sensitive dude. I'm an empath. I'm a I'm a sensitive, loving, but I was <laughs> six one, two thirty at fourteen years old. Like I was just a big <laughs> athletic in in like you know, times were different 20, 30 years ago. You could fight in the street and get, and that's what we used to do. Yeah, we used to that go is for sure. You yeah. know, like we used to go drink and just fight. Yeah, I know. Right. You fight with the guy one day, and the next day you're sharing right, a beer you're, again. Yeah. You're fighting your friends, is what yeah. you're doing. And, and I mean, times have changed to where it's like, I mean, it was a culture shock coming back to all this and being like, what is even going on in the world? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was really in a cult and I really had to do some deep, deep emotional, spiritual unpacking and healing and deprogramming and realizing that I did have that grit and I did know all along and my intuition never guided me wrong. And I always That's was great. able to read the bullshit. Like I can, I can, how did I avoid prison all those years? How did I avoid never catching a case? Right. I mean, I was big time, mm -hmm. um, luck. Absolutely. But a lot of it was, was, was smart. Yeah. And trust yeah. in my intuition and, and being like, I'm about to get robbed. I'm about to get mm -hmm. beat. I'm about, I ain't going to that hotel room right now. Right. And starting to give myself credit, starting yeah. to believe in myself and believe in my power and my ability to, yeah, I might've made and lost millions and I might be essentially homeless and have nothing at 40 but I just bought a $700,000 duplex. Like I, I manifested that and, and, and not from hustling. I had to get used to being broke. I had to right. get used to yeah. my wife being the breadwinner and, yes. and, and, and dealing with all of that. I'm getting used to just, just getting by and, but then studying financial literacy and, and understanding assets over liabilities and mindset and, and and just taking my power back. All right. So that in in freedom model language is you embraced your autonomy. You That's figured it. out that you had free will, and you have autonomy. You have your own thinking apparatus. And once people, that's what you're talking about. So I want to frame this for the for the followers out there that all of you, every human that's listening to this right now has the ability to think for themselves. And anybody that tries to tell you you don't, whether it's a bad relationship, a bad marriage, uh, a boss or a cult, 
for that matter. A cult is just the extreme example of control. A therapist. A therapist. Yeah, I've had tons of bad mm -hmm. therapy. Um, uh, a priest who's got his own motives. I mean, it can be any number of people. A teacher. I mean, half the teachers are. Oh, God. Know, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I hated education because of, of the control model. But then there were people who embraced my autonomy and said, I'm not here to control you. What do you think, Mark? And I, I was usually stymied, but at the same time, yeah, excited, mm -hmm. just super excited. And I said, that, that makes sense to me. I'm excited about that. You, you care about what I think? Yeah, I care about what you think. And it was her father. It was uh, a, te a teacher in fifth grade and a teacher in college. One in school, one in college, and Jerry. Those three people changed my life in a myriad of countless faces that tried to control me, manipulate me, abuse me, screw me, you know, my whole life. And isn't it remarkable how if you have three people that care and actually value your autonomy, how you expand, you become happy, you learn love. That's what love is, not attachment, not control. It's I, I value what you think. So that's what the freedom model is. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, the freedom model is you are a free will oriented autonomous with your own thoughts, capable, capable person in the pursuit of happiness. Go, yep. go. And all this mythology. Now the other two thirds of the book is breaking down all the bullshit you believe that's keeping you trapped. So I think that when I watched Rainey go through this, I watched somebody like myself that had a lot of unpacking. The confusion is, can I believe in myself? Yeah. Yeah. Can I trust my own thinking? Can I trust my own mind? That was, that was the hard, I think for many people, that's the hardest thing mm -hmm. to embrace yeah. as you're leaving the cult, yep. as you're, oh, as yeah. you're, you know, because even if you have like, even the, the people that I've worked with that have years of sobriety, the other areas of their life they're struggling in because of that idea that, oh, I can't trust my own thinking. Yep. I mean, that, that is, that's a really awful place it's devastating. to Devastating. It's devastating. So now tell us what's the result of your th free thinking, free will oriented autonomy. Tell us. I mean, I've, 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 I built my own cannabis business. I started it. I failed. I was in Maine. I moved back to Florida. I, I started a cannabis grow, a cannabis business. I started a coaching business. I just bought a duplex. I've made money in crypto. I've made money in stocks. I've lost money in those things. I've lost a hundred pounds. I've, I'm halfway done with a book. Um, um, I have a car rental business as well. I have, yeah, I have a car. I mean, there's so many things. I have a car rental business that I started that the first year was how many businesses are successful. We made money the first year. Yeah, like I, I'm, it's like, and, and, and I didn't, you know, I was just a drug dealer. I was a drug smuggler that was super creative and super smart but was stuck in the cartel of Alcoholics Anonymous, believing I couldn't trust my own thinking, thinking that because if I had 40,000 and I wanted 80,000 and then I had 80,000 and I wanted 160, that that was alcoholic thinking. Mm 
Right. No, no. you want money. You want money is okay. And you can be free. And you can go on vacation. And you can live your life. And you can do whatever the fuck you want. That's right. And not feel one bit bad about any of it. That's right. It was, if I could sum it up, what AA did was confuse me. Mm. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's yep. exactly makes you right. Makes you blind to your autonomy, free will, and your pursuit of happiness. It makes you blind. It makes to you it. feel bad for those things. Yeah. It yeah. distracts you from you. It yeah. distracts you from you. And here's the wild part. And I want to end with this. If there's anything that I, I hope people get out of this podcast is that you are the operative force. What I mean by that is in your mind, there is no way to look outside yourself and have somebody fix you. So anytime you're, you're looking for that, you are literally ripe for the picking for somebody to control you. Mm, Let great point. Just, just, it's okay to struggle. It's yeah. okay to, to wander the earth and try and figure out who you are and be lonely and uncomfortable for a little while. You will find your way. My, my first year of being out of the cult, the first 12 years was brutal for me figuring out how to live my life and build. But you know what? I built a wonderful life for me and my kids and my wife and friends. I did. So, okay. All right. So <laughs> that was weird. Our internet went down and thankfully this kept recording, but Rainy got cut off. I think somebody must've hit a pole or something out here. So um, we just want to say, uh, uh, thanks to have Rainy on. I yeah, just we're on so happy to have Rainy on. If you want to learn about Rainy, you can follow Unconquered Healing on TikTok, or and also I think he's on Instagram as the same handle. Okay, yep. so that's Unconquered Healing, and um, yeah, I don't I don't know if he's on Facebook or not, but his name is spelled R E N E. Yes, uh, not Rainy, but his name is Rainy, but it's R E N E uh, Saint. Pierre. Yep. Uh, and uh, unconquered healing. Uh, I do want to say that um, if anybody out there is looking to get coached on the freedom model, uh, there are various ways that can happen. You can also be taught by Michelle and I uh, specifically. You can request that. Um, there's ways to do that. Uh, also, we have uh, a bunch of coaches throughout the world that teach the freedom model and they're certified through our research organization, Baldwin Research Institute Incorporated. So they go through very uh, uh, hardcore training to be a part of what we do. So the best way to learn about all of this, okay, is to go to uh, our masterclass. We have a free one-hour live masterclass every single week. You, There's a QR code right there that Mark is pointing at right now. You can like click on that QR code. You can also go to thefreedommodel.org and get into that masterclass. We also have a mobile app that gives you easy access to the masterclass as well. And so that's the Freedom Model uh, app. Yep, the Freedom Model app. So go to thefreedommodel.org for the mobile app and also to register for the masterclass and to learn more about our coaching options. And the, the website over the next couple of weeks is going to look messy. We are revamping it and changing a lot of things. So bear with us as we do that. All right, yes. everybody. Yes. Thanks so much and have a great week. And do we have the phone number somewhere on there? Yeah, it's up behind the little recording symbol. Oh, that's why I can't see. It's 888-424-2626 for those that are listening. Yes. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? Well, that's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.